What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Alec Frankavich, who's the founder of Cybiot. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you for having me, Matt. The first ever podcast interview. Woo! That's my goal. My goal is to be as many founders as possible as first interviews. Because um, obviously, you know, someone, as people will find who are listening, you're going to, like, this company is, is, is awesome and it's going to grow, but we'll always remember who the first interview was. Um, so with that, for people that haven't heard of you, they don't know what you're working on. Can you kind of share what is Sabiot and kind of what are you working on? Yep. So I'm the 19-year-old founder and CEO, also technical lead at Sybiot. We're outside of the greater Philadelphia area. And basically what we work on is we're trying to build the engineerless and equipmentless future of cybersecurity. What that means is uh, specifically for small to medium-sized businesses that don't have technical teams. So if you're out there shopping for a business-grade cybersecurity solution, you're going to be met with many of the different friction points that actually cause most small to medium businesses to just opt out of cybersecurity policies entirely. So um, if you can get past the knowledge barrier of just trying to learn what's out there, because there are thousands of vendors and thousands of solutions, you're then going to find out that majority of those the products in the market are going to require you to purchase a piece of hardware that sometimes looks like a $5,000 server that you would put into a server or a networking rack. And then you're going to have to hire an engineer to install it and configure it. And then that's on top of any software licensing fees. And if you even have the capabilities of uh, putting such appliance in, a, you know, a lot of businesses don't have server equipment even built for them. And so we try to get rid of those, those two pain points for these small to medium businesses. Uh, 65% of a cyber attacks are going to come after them because of this. And we're learning that antivirus and endpoint protection is just not enough. So I'd love to hear about how did you get into this? This is obviously um, technical, which means two things. One, it means there's probably giant problems that people like me can't understand, right? Because I'm not technical. And two, it means you must have a great reason to like, kind of get into this realm. So I'd love to hear for you, like why Cybiot, why this market, and what's the origin story for your company? So the origin story is I was building cybersecurity solutions since I was 14 years old. This is a company built off of many pivots. Uh, my first investor uh, were actual connections through middle school and high school. One was my ninth grade homeroom teacher. One was a guy who sponsored an award when I was getting out of junior high. And uh, it started off when I was just building antivirus solutions. And from there, it just, you know, as I, as my knowledge grew, my products grew and, and it sort of changed into what we're building today. And so Cybiot was uh, technically born in 2017, but it's a venture that I've been working on since I was, since 2015. Um, and it, 
if it wasn't for the solutions I was building earlier on in my career, I wouldn't have been able to know what I know today and build what we're building today because it, it taught me what all the, the issues in cybersecurity were. So when I was building antivirus, I was learning that that ransomware and certain um, malwares were actually using more psychological approaches to hacking people and, and that these programs weren't actually stopping these intrusions. But then I was also learning that the people who really need these solutions um, can't also benefit from them. So if you're talking about anything from coffee shops to law firms to private practices, I mean, the solutions that are out in the market today are built by billion dollar publicly traded companies that are focused on banks and healthcare networks. And uh, there needed to be a solution that was built for them. And so the way our solution works versus the monolithic where you purchase the hardware and install it is we're uh, a completely cloud or virtual solution. So you hear a lot of talk about software, software as a service. We're essentially cybersecurity as a service. So just like you would purchase QuickBooks online and get it deployed, we work just as the same. And uh, we learned that a lot of people are already, a lot of these small to medium-sized business owners that don't have these technical teams, they're usually just working with the equipment that's provided to them by their internet service provider. So that's usually that router, modem, AP combo. You're usually locked into a contract paying rent month to month on that. We wanted to make sure they get the most bang for their dollar. And so if you're already paying rent for that, that network gateway, we wanted to make sure you're utilizing it. And so our solution connects directly to the equipment you already have on site. Somebody as, such as the managing partner at a law firm can get this deployed. It's even easier than setting up a router. So uh, a couple of questions. So the first one is um, you, you outlined this, but just to make sure I understand. So who would be the type of company to use this? Is it pretty much anyone with an office? Um, is it any, do you even need an office to use this? Uh, so educate me a little there. And then um, how do you, can you kind of describe in it, like to someone that let's say there was a ideal customer for you and you just need to convince them why this was like, you know, something that is important. Um, how would you kind of share that with them? Just because I, I know the value of what you're doing. I think it's incredible. And I just want to understand it more to understand like when, you know, you know, if I have an office in the future or a company in the future, you know, when I'm able to leverage you. So it all started with by getting rid of uh, the equipment and getting rid of the engineer component, we were actually able to unlock um, certain capabilities within cybersecurity that you couldn't do because of the physical device limits. So for example, our, our pitching to investors early on, we were uh, hellbent on giving them the use case of imagine walking into a Starbucks, connecting to their public network, or their public network, their guest network, and not having to worry about your credit card information or your banking information being stolen because there's a day old adage that goes like you shouldn't, shouldn't connect to a guest network and, and do anything confidential with it because people can just skim that that data. And so that's how it started because we're getting rid of, you know, all the solutions out there require you to physically install a piece of software on the device. We don't, we don't uh, subscribe to that. We want the, the message to be, if you're connected, you're protected. And so that's how it started. Now with COVID and coffee shops, not really being a thing and people not really hanging around, um, we were able to kind of take that and adapt a little bit. So now we actually are one of the only solutions, if not the only solution for work to home, work from home uh, businesses or even uh, remote offices. So one of the big issues for remote offices, there are remote office solutions out there, but one of the big thing is if you have a, if you set up a solution in one office, you have to pay that engineer and you have to buy that piece of hardware for the second and the third and the fourth. It's just not scalable um, versus just clicking a few buttons on a computer and it deploying across an entire organization. 
And then there's also the work from home model now. And so that's rather new where companies are now having their employees take the customer data into their home. And so because we're a completely cloud solution, an organization can actually purchase our solution and pass it on to their employees. So the employees, if they want to, they can subscribe at, at the cost that the organization pays for it. And so now their home network is actually secured, which is thus protecting the company data, which then protects the company's bottom line. So I'm curious, you, you know, you said when you started this, you've done a few iterations, um, just like anyone, you know, starting companies takes you a second to figure it out. I'm curious for you, what have you learned on the journey since you started this company? I think go back to the V1, right? Like, like, you know, 2015, um, what have you learned on your journey so far with this company? Um, and maybe some things that obvious, maybe like weren't as obvious, you know, beforehand, but after the fact, it's like, oh, duh, what if we'll hear some learnings about the journey? Uh, so business was completely new to me. I was 14 years old. I was, you know, I was the eBay entrepreneur. I was the yard sale entrepreneur. I was uh, building websites for Minecraft communities. That's really how I got my start. So everything was new to me. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a thing I was doing that I like already had a, had some kind of uh, principles that are, I was based in or whatnot. Um, but as I, you know, as we continue cybersecurity there, I, So I'm 19 years old today. I still meet people that are, have spent my entire lifetime and years inside the industry. And they're like four times my age. Like it's been around since the dawn of computers. And, but I have to surround myself with those types of people. So just naturally being, uh, being the age as I am and being as young as I am, I have to surround myself and stand on the shoulders of giants. And so I surround myself with C-suite executives that do cybersecurity and uh, technicians and people who are really in the trenches because while I did IT and networking throughout high school, you know, I only have a fraction of the experience that any true professional does. And so I surround myself with them to make sure I'm, I'm always uh, learning something new. So you mentioned that you, um, a little earlier that you, you have investors and, you know, they, they're obviously interested in what you're doing. Um, but you also mentioned a couple of times that you're 19 years old. This is extremely impressive. I'm curious for you, how have you gone about finding investors and what has been that experience for you? Um, kind of finding people to buy into you and what you're working on. So I think this actually ties back to the last question where like, what was something that I really learned? And now that you asked this follow on question, it, it kind of stuck out to me. It's, I was always in fundraising mode. I feel like as, as I didn't know better when I was building this company, I was always like raising capital and, and I was successful in that in a lot of respect. I have, um, I have about five angel investors, uh, within, within our, our organization to this date. Um, but it took me until probably within the last year or two to realize you either are 100% in fundraising mode or you're 100% in building mode. There's no in between. And, uh, and that's what happened. So starting October of 2019, um, I got, I knew I was going to be in fundraising mode for 2020. And so in October of 2019, I actually started planning that out. I started meeting with investors early on because you hear a lot of talk of, they want to see you grow. They want to see your progress. So it was October of 2019 when I went to this like investor conference at Penn state that I really was like, all right, now I'm preparing for this future fundraising round. I'm going to start making the connections, start sending them email updates. And that, actually happened. And so um, Q1 of 2020, um, right as COVID was starting to hit its height, uh, we were in fundraising mode. And I actually joke about, um, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, but COVID might have actually helped us in our fundraising efforts as we were able to take meetings with um, investors and funds and firms that otherwise either I would have had to fly to California and do a week there, or I just would have never had the 
opportunity or get the introductions that I would have needed to, to break through those walls. Um, but it was sometime around, uh, I want to say like June or July, um, that it was the very first investors I ever spoke to would become my first institutional investor. And so back when I was building my consumer grade antivirus solution in the end of my eighth grade into ninth grade year, I came across a company or a fund called 1517 fund. And they took a meeting with me, both managing partners, Danielle and uh, Mike, and they took a meeting with me and they, they spoke to me and we were too early for an investment then, but it would become 1517 fund that would actually, when I revisited them uh, this year, that they actually uh, wrote a check for us. And we're actually part of a program called the Invisible College and 1517 funds thesis is basically um, they, they fund non-credentialed and uh, entrepreneurs, people who uh, didn't go to college or are dropping out of college, you know, going the beaten path of chasing their ideas that just can't wait. And so before I even was in fundraising mode, I graduated high school and I was just a 100% college opt out. I wasn't going to go to university, put myself in debt when I had something I really wanted to build. And that really aligned with 1517 fund and the timing of it couldn't have been perfect more perfect. And so uh, we were able to jump in a program called the Invisible College, which is four to six months uh, with a $50,000 bridge capital. So you take their money, you build for the next four to six months, you test out your hypotheses, you experiment. And if uh, it comes out successful at the end of that period, so if you're able to, you know, it's different for different companies. But for us, if we're able to take a customer out of it, you know, you're essentially prepped for their two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 pre-seed investment. I appreciate you sharing. Um, appreciate you sharing that the invisible co invisible college that is such a is is the concept behind it is that like, you know, we don't like wherever you went to college or didn't is invisible to us. So fifteen seventeen yeah. fund is a very philosophical uh, fund, and so fifteen seventeen they get their name from Martin Luther, who uh, nailed the 95 theses to the church doors, uh, protesting indulgences, which were pieces of paper that the Catholic church sold um, that basically sent you to heaven if you bought them. And they're essentially drawing conclusions to that of a degree today. You know, we're, we're taught that if you want to be successful in this world, you have to go put yourself in debt, chase this piece of paper. When, in all honesty, the ROI might be there, but that's for the person to decide, not society as a whole. And so they're very philosophical the Invisible College itself, they get their name from the scientific revolution where scientists actually had to build in privacy um, or risk being um, persecuted. So if you were, you obviously have some momentum here. You have investors that believe in you. It's very exciting. Um, if you were to take all of this and look out um, five to 10 years, what kind of company do you want to build then? And what will it look like then? Or I guess in other words, what's your big vision and what direction are you rowing in? So today we are a, uh, a product company. And so today we sell an all-in-one product for small to medium-sized businesses, uh, organizations that otherwise wouldn't have cybersecurity are now um, being able to, uh, de to deploy these, these enterprise level solutions. Um, and it's really, there's, there's a few steps to where we go. And so I think this is a very long-term company. I, I do think this is venture scalable. I do think it, it could be majority of my life's work, even being 19 today. Um, but today, while we're that product, um, there's something cool about what we do. And, and essentially, we're taking small to medium-sized businesses that their data 
in of itself is nominal. And so the reason cybersecurity innovation has struggled with this, this market is because the data isn't there to fuel the threat intelligence, to fuel the solutions that you need this data to build these solutions to stop these threats. But the data in of itself isn't worth anything. If you look at an individual coffee shop or an individual private doctor's office or, or any sort of uh, small and medium-sized organization, data is not worth anything. But when you take these organizations and you combine them, the data starts to build value. And so one of the things we pride ourselves on at Cybiot is we think we're essentially unionizing small to medium-sized businesses. We're putting them together, collecting their data to fuel the future of threat intelligence. And so while today we sell a service that is as good as any other enterprise uh, level solution, um, just minus the friction, uh, we believe that we can actually be innovating on how we stop these threats. And, and so the future of that is maybe one day we will be building the infrastructure behind the internet that actually just creates, you know, secured internet right out of the gate. And uh, um, in order to, to help you do that, to make the vision happen, you'll need some help, right? It takes a village to make a startup happen. So my question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you? Are you fundraising? Are you looking for team members? Are you, you know, looking for customers, partnerships? How can we assist? All of the above. And so uh, I'll take a meeting with anyone. Um, I, I love talking to people. I think I can take uh, a little bit of something out of any, any discussion. Um, we will be fundraising in the next uh, maybe four months. Uh, we will be fundraising. The bridge capital will run out. Hopefully 1517 will be there to save us. Hopefully we'll have some customers under our belt. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested in anything. And so if you think you, you're fit within our family, I'll be happy to have that conversation. But other than that, if you're somebody who just, you know, knows, uh, knows somebody in your family who owns a uh, professional services business or owns a small to medium sized business or works from home and thinks their organization can benefit from this, I, I ask you to reach out to me. And a perfect segue, if someone wants to reach out to you, learn more about what you're doing, how can they find you online? What's your URL? Are you on social media? Can they email you? How can they reach out? Yep. You can find me on any major social media at Alec Rinkavage, one word, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere. Um, or you can go to our company's website at cybiot.com, which is C-Y-B-I-O-T.com. And there's a little wait list there. We are uh, very selective with the people we want to work with first. So if you put it, if you drop your email into the form, I will reach out to you. Um, other than that though, feel free to shoot me a DM, find me online, find me on LinkedIn, whatever, whatever works. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks, I really appreciate first, it. first one. Woo. Woo! All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there, you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days, how they got their customers. We do these every single week with another, you know, really great founder that has been on the podcast. Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one -on -one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs, two, raise capital, three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, 
We have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.